0: Hello, you are very welcome to the Inside Our Schools podcast, podcast where we put all the current issues around teaching in Irish secondary schools under the microscope. I'm your host, Andrew Phelan. In this episode, we go inside our schools and discuss posts of responsibility. This can be quite a contentious topic, rarely spoken about outside union meetings and outside staff rooms. Although while it is being discussed in staff rooms, it's usually under a hushed breath and uh, a look over the shoulder to see who's listening. But again, the whole point of this podcast is to bring such conversations out into the open. We look at the changes that have occurred uh, to promotion within teaching and examine how it has changed from simply performing duties needed in a school to more of a middle management distributed leadership role. We also look back at some of the cuts that have been made to posts within schools and we examine the, the changes to criteria for selection for such posts uh, and we talk openly and freely about the effects this has had on collegiality and staff room dynamics. And joining us for the podcast tonight, we welcome back Liam and Martin. That's Liam Henley who is a chemistry and biology teacher and Martin McMullen, who is a politics and society, a history and a religion teacher. We're also joined tonight for the first time by Keith Cassidy, who is an economics and a geography teacher. If you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. And you'll be kept up to date with all the latest episodes and all the latest discussions that we are having. Another reminder before we start um, that all the participants, including myself, are representing their own views uh, and not the views of their trade union or school or workplace or other. It's just their own personal view. Um, So we just want to remind everybody of that. So lads, thank you very much. Martin and Liam, you're very welcome back to the podcast. Keith, first timer, so best of luck. It's a controversial topic, I suppose. got quite a bit of reaction on Twitter during the week when this podcast was coming up. And I know a few friends of mine uh, texted me as well when, when they heard about it. So yep, the poster, whole poster responsibility area seems to be something that is, is quite sharp, I suppose, with people. Uh, some people can be bitter over it. Some people are angry over it. Some people think it's great. So it's quite a divisive topic to discuss, which is why we should really have it because there's been a huge amount of changes. So just as a bit of background to those changes, I'm going kind to of teaching 20 years now. And since I started teaching, between then and now, it's almost the split of of right down the middle of the difference in posts systems. In that, in, in I was pre uh, two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. I remember staff rooms, and I could say almost up to forty percent, probably even higher, uh, of the list in the staff room. People had people had a post, They're doing different jobs around the school, different things that the school needed to be done. Um. And and then in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, around that time, at the beginning of that recession, the department cut the number of posts, and that was way way back down. And I think today it stands roughly at around quarter uh, of people, you know. So there's, there's been a massive drop in the number of posts. So that's the first thing. And I suppose that was probably done with the eye of, obviously done with the eye of saving money. But then in two thousand and eleven, around, around two thousand and eleven, the program for government at that time. Mooted for the first time, this kind of new post system that they were going to bring into schools and this new kind of managerial model called distributed leadership that they were going to bring into schools, um, which effectively gave management a lot more power than it did have previous um usually previous to that it was the department really who decided <clears throat> and, and how the posts were run in schools and and what you could achieve and and what you could apply for and so on but now it seems to me moved to the to, the, to the, the principals and the board of management to decide what the needs of the school are through the staff and all the rest of it and th- this was kind of moved in 2011 uh, and then I suppose discussions really with trade unions was around 2016, 2017 about bringing this in. There was a resistance against it a lot from a lot of the trade unions, and then eventually in 2018 um, it, it came into effect. I think at the time, uh, if I can remember rightly, the ASTI were out uh, in, on industrial action around the whole one of the agreements and the new inter- new entrance pay and so on. So they weren't a uh, party to those talks. And then in 2018, at this new post system that we see now today in front of us and we see in schools around the country came into effect. And it has, I've noticed certainly at branch meetings, never before really previous to this, in my first half of my career, let's say, when I was going to union meetings, never really post, never really came up as an issue in in branch meetings. And now for the second half and even more intensely as this new model has been rolled out since 2018, it carries an awful lot of the discussion at branch meetings uh, and what's going on and and the dynamics that have changed in the staff room from kind of one of collegiality to one of individualism and everybody trying to be better than the next person beside them in the staff room, because if it ever comes to getting a post, um, you know, they needed to be seen, I suppose, to be better and to be doing more work around the school outside of their their teaching contract. And of course the other element to this then really as well is the, the new pension scheme. And um, where is the new pension scheme, Kindle, I think it has having a massive effect here because in the past, your pension kind of went in the last three years or so of, of your teaching career. Whereas now with the new pension scheme, it's the average of your entire career. So now to get a postal responsibility becomes way more important earlier on because the sooner you get one, the longer you have that throughout your career uh, as a teacher. And therefore, the more money it's worth when you come to retire. Um, so, you know, there's a mix of things going on here that are adding to the pressure uh, on people around this post system. And I suppose the other element, I'll finish on this element, that's had an effect really is, as I mentioned already, the less posts available in school. Um, you know, so in the past, as I said, maybe six, seven years be waiting and you were almost, you had a post. You know, there were still interviews and the interviews really were around between people with the same seniorities or whatever, but you eventually got a post in the school. So there was never really any of that inter-fighting, inter-staff room kind of uh, friction uh, that you see um, nowadays in schools, certainly in the last two or three years as has become noticeable at branch meetings. Um, And now you could be waiting a long time for a post and actually even longer, because if, if a younger person, let's say for want of a better word in the school or someone new in the school three or four years gets a post, they now have that post for their 35 or 40 year teaching career unless they move on, of course, to a senior, to an, an A post or to a management posi- a senior management position. Um, but the post is essentially tied up in a school for a long, long time. And then the likelihood of anybody else getting that post disappears. So there's a lot of pressure there building up around these posts. So just I suppose I wanted to have this podcast just to generate some sort of discussion around that, the same discussion that we would have at branch meetings to allow people to hear that discussion. Keith?
1: Oh, I thought it was interesting there. We went through some of the history around it. And like, I spoke to some well, teachers who now be retired about the post system uh, back in their early career when the post system actually was first introduced. And basically, what it said to me was that the post system was brought in a recognition that teaching was kind of a career with uh, limited promotional prospects. You know, given at the time, very few teachers could, whether we're going to progress to deputy principal or principal, given there's only two positions per school. So the post system was designed to offer teachers a sort of a a pay bump, given the flat organizational structures within schools. And as as we said already, you know, the posts were were initially filled on seniority. Um, And I think it's important to note as well, uh, from what the retired members and the older members of my school would say, is that each post had a task associated with it. So you got a task, a very specific task to do and then you got your post for that. And like that's no longer the body tasks have now grown into jobs with multiple tasks. Um so that's a big change. So and, and a lot of these tasks that we were doing back then would have been quite quite tokenistic. But again, the I think the vast majority of were happy with the um with the arrangement of seniority, you know, because it guaranteed that everyone a post and most people, if not everybody, had an A post by the time they reached the appropriate level of seniority. Mm. And you know what you spoke about the the impact on pension, like, you know, it had an impact by increasing the pension lump sum and it had more importantly, it raised the annual pension payment that you received as a teacher as well. Mm. So I think that's, that's some of the history around it. even further back to what you're saying, Andrew, that these are brought in as a kind of a, a flat pay rise that were, that were brought in for teachers to perform a task to do them.
0: Yeah, they're, they're usually tasks needed by the school. Um, so they didn't include things like extracurricular and stuff like that. It was just tasks that were that were needed in a school. But I think it's important to note, actually, even in the old system, it wasn't entirely seniority. It wasn't like next in line, you got the post. There was an interview process, but it's just, I think it was 25%, if, if I can remember correctly, was the, the weighting that seniority kind of carried in that interview process. So it did have a, a quarter of the weighting, which is quite big. Um, so even if you didn't get the post in your first time going for one, you you more than likely would have got it the second or third time round. You know, so but there but there was an interview process. It was just that seniority carried a big weighting. Now of course seniority is gone uh, completely. Um, yeah, I'd also what, just <clears throat>
1: just add to that one was from what my understanding was as well would be that you know it was your if you were next in line in seniority that a lot of teachers out of respect would say well we won't apply. If you're yeah. next in line. You get it. So while you're interviewing, you're not in a lot, and the vast majority of times you'll be interviewing against nobody else.
0: Yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, the, or at most, or what of, I've heard. At most, yeah. there might have been one or might have been one or two people going for the post, or three people. But now you can see there could be up to fourteen or fifteen people going for yeah. this post, and yeah. they're all trying to climb over each other. You know, it's 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 creating a very strange atmosphere. Liam, yeah,
2: yeah, just a couple of things. Like, I think. I think there, there there, certainly was a certain, an, an element of fairness to the older system, but just to play devil's advocate on it for a minute, mm. like sometimes people were getting uh, A posts or B posts for, as was mentioned, a specific task. And that specific task could no longer exist due to a certain amount of time having elapsed. And because that post is now basically enshrined and, and is written down, can't be changed until such time as the person retired. And sometimes people were being paid that the allowance for doing a post that was now essentially redundant, like as in, you know, I've heard of, I've heard, you know, friends say, oh yeah, there was, there was a post for the book rental scheme and the book rental scheme no longer happens because we got iPads or something, something like that, we'll say. Um, so that needs to be borne in mind. The second thing that I've, I've heard through my experience would be that worked really well in a system whereby teachers were a job for life, kind of um, situation as in you start off in a school and you spend 25 35 maybe even 40 years in that school people are a lot more mobile now and a lot of people maybe might start off in an urban center and then try to move down home and let's say if, if you were like like say me for example and you were 15 years in Dublin and you said uh, at some point oh I want to move back west if it was based on your length of time in that particular school so if I had 15 years in Dublin and I came back and got a school somewhere down the country, I'm back to year one at almost 40 years of age and someone who's 26, who's three years in the school is my senior. And then I'm kind of snookered there for a while. Um, So, again, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate on it a little bit. And then maybe just, Andrew, could you clarify what happened at convention in terms of the motion whereby there was a motion put forward on this about asking for it to go back to seniority? What was the outcome there? Um, I, I think that'd be good to know.
0: That motion passed the convention. um okay. to ask for that, and there's very little speakers against. And I absolutely get what you're saying, playing Dev, is, Dev is advocate, And it's good to do that on a podcast like this because we get to hear all the sides of the story, which is really good. You know, and I'm certainly not arguing that the old way um, was an amazing system, and we should hold on to it. Because of course, the needs of school do change and do evolve over time. So there maybe is a need to change some of the posts around as we're moving along. But I think the real honing in here is, is. The difference that the open competition has created in staff rooms one of the major things around staff rooms that I noticed is in the past it was more collegial you know collegiate You'd shared different things with each other you'd be talking to each other about different teaching methods whatever about different things going on in the school and you'd be working together whereas now I get the impression that people kind of hold on to these ideas and try and run with them themselves and and in hope that they will be seen to be better than the next person because of course it's getting a post now is so vital in terms of the new pension scheme and with the seniority gone and with the lack of posts available in schools compared to the past it's just not a good thing as far as i can see anyway martin
3: yeah uh, just come in there as well and <clears throat> again to make the point of name and saying as well yeah i mean seniority was not a perfect system right if you balance the flaws of seniority and you you look at that against what we have now this so-called system of meritocracy I think the flaws of seniority are preferable to to what Andrew was describing there the, the whole loss of collegiality and the whole rise of individualism um I mean I've worked in the the corporate sector before I was a teacher I also did the teacher training in England and it's very noticeable that the corporate world ideology is taken over <clears throat> in terms of how posts are, are dished out uh, with the, the whole open competition thing. And with that, I've seen it in England with uh, the, the competition thing. And the, the staff rooms, this was 2006, I think it was, the staff rooms were divided places. There was no, you know, you had your little clicks and so on. But God, I tell you, the, you know, you, you, you be careful what you say. Uh, and, and if you don't say it for your own person, there was a guy who went for a, for a promotion post once and he was absolutely sick. Uh, he didn't get it. Some other guy got it and he, he took the whole week off. He was absolutely in bits, you know. Um, and I <clears throat> I was surprised when it came to Ireland. Uh, I started my first job here in 2007 and uh, I was surprised how, how the whole thing worked. It was completely different to England. And the year later, I didn't go and change it for... Uh, one and a half percent pay rise in time and I remember making the argument about England at the time saying listen I actually don't think we want to go down this road for for that very reason and I've seen the transition from the seniority process to what we have now and I tell you what the, the staff room is a very very different place the amount of backstabbing bitching about people uh doing things just to be seen to be doing things it's it's the corporate world all over. I'm not. I'm not saying for one minute that people who who get posted responsibility deserve them and so on. I'm sure, absolutely, and probably in most cases that's absolutely fair. Um, but is there not a, a huge cost to that kind of system where colleagues who might be equally or perhaps better suited to some kind of post, they're they're left out in the cold and, and they see somebody who's maybe been in the door two or three years as opposed to them. He's maybe been 10 years in the door, uh getting chosen over them. I mean, you can say, well, they, they should suck it up and, and get on with it, but it creates lasting divisions, which in the in the old seniority process, we didn't have that. And it's it's led to very it, it can lead to very toxic work environments, you know. That's I think that's the biggest flaw of, of
0: the whole post thing at the minute. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, just to pick up on what you said there about the people who get the post, we're not we're not knocking anybody. I have a post, like I'm sure most of us here actually have a post, which is just, which is strange And Keith, you I see you shaking your head, you don't, but the thing I want to say that is we're not talking about, I know we're talking about principals and boards of management. There is some excellent principals out there, some excellent boards of management there, there's who are managing this absolutely perfectly and really, really well. But of course, You hear the horror stories of the principal who got through these buddies and then these end up all getting the posts in the school. And then you have teachers getting disillusioned with this and moving on. And of course, if it goes to an appeals process, then I've yet, I think I've heard one case so far that has won an appeal uh, against this kind of scenario because it's so hard to prove. You know, Uh, I remember a story at a branch meeting and it's so true. At a branch meeting, one time someone saying, you have people who who might do something in the school for a year. Let's pick something in the thin air, like, I don't know, uh, Friendship Week or something, or Friendship. And, and they're doing it for the year, and then it's gone. They don't do it the following year. They move on to something else, like healthy eating, or they move on to something else, uh, some other new initiative. So really, the initiative wasn't genuine. It's, it's just there to put something on the cv so when it comes to a post or an ex-promotion or whatever they have it there whereas you would much rather be someone who really was interested in this friendship week thing or just was really interested in in promoting of of healthy eating and so on um keith you wanted to come in there
1: you know i just want to go back kind of you know to when the post system was caught i think all this has its genesis in when the number of posts in school were caught i think you were mentioning earlier on andrew that maybe 40 percent of the staff might have had posts in schools at one point now it's maybe down to 20 to 25 and I remember when you know posts the number of posts and schools were cut and it was it was purely brought in you know as an fairly measure really for the times that, that were there um, and, and subsequently there's like that moratorium on filling posts as well and this is when you start to see the culture change really in schools and you know there's an element of this where you know the state obviously was trying to save money with its austerity measures. But this also had an indirect productivity element. As many teachers uh, took on duties associated with posts of responsibility. like There's loads of posts that became, or bacon, or couldn't be filled. And other teachers stepped in and said, yeah, I'll do that. Whether it be a year ahead, whether it be you numeracy, know, uh, literacy, whatever it might be. And the people were talking about people being authentic in like the reasons for running initiatives and I think absolutely you have some teachers are very you know altruistic and they'll do it for the sake of the students they do it for the sake of the school and everything else and then there's also the other side of it where you have uh, teachers are being exploited by school management school management basically voice these responsibilities on the teachers who are in either you know precarious positions or non-permanent or they get basically all there are a people pleaser they won't say no to me and then you have the more sinister element of, you know, lots of teachers who might be maybe opportunistic, but they have an eye on getting a post in the future and they say, well, look, I'll do this for free. And the real reason I'm doing this post for free is, is I want that post when it comes back around. So very, I've just said, very career-driven, very uh, individualism. And I'd like to like quote something uh, we hear regularly at CEC would be, you know, never confuse uh, volunteerism with careerism. And I think that's very apt in the situation. But, yeah, I'll, I'll
0: leave it there. Yeah, I was going to bring that up next, actually, and there was quite a few eyebrows raised when that motion came up at the ASTI conference or, or when it came up on the, the agenda, when people saw it on the agenda. Um, they were saying, well, look, aren't, aren't lower-paid teachers? You know, is, is this another slap in the face to them by asking for this seniority to come back in? And this argument was going around that it was teachers who were in the system a longer time looking to get their posts, but here's the key thing I know from branch meetings and from different meetings at CEC and at different, different meetings you have within the union, that in fact, a lot of the complaints around the post system are coming from people who are, who are the lower paid teachers who are post 2011. And for the exact reason that you just mentioned, that, you know, principals, I'm not saying every principal here, of course, I have to re- reiterate that again, but there is cases where principals are going to these teachers and saying, look, I need this job done can you do it? Blah, blah, blah. It'll look really well on your CV, uh, going for posts in future, etc. and so on. And they feel the need uh, to do this post and they don't want to do it, but they are doing it because they're worried about their future themselves in the school. And how do you say no to the principal? And even if they're not CID, then it has all knock-on effects. So in fact, the post system directly is affecting those um, who, who are in that uh, LPT category, who are being asked to do all these jobs around the school for nothing.
3: Yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, post holders themselves, I'm sure people would agree with this as well. And, uh, and it is, look, it's a delicate topic to talk about, right? And we're, we're informed by our own experience here. And we've all had experiences in school, good and bad, and to do with the post system and so on. And I mean, I haven't, I haven't got a post. I went through an interview a few times um, and it hasn't been very successful, um, to say the least. I'm not going to read anything into that. My own theories as to why that happened or or whatever else. But um, the principles, a lot of principles are using the post system and the changes that were uh, recently came about in the circular to pile on the work. So, you know, what would have been an A post uh, previously is now a B post.
0: Yeah.
3: An A post suddenly, uh, you know, an a post plus whatever you know the form of the principal says it's going to be you know and 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 these things are up for review every single year you know so the the post sources themselves a lot of them are are saying to themselves you know this just i don't think it's worth it especially with the the ap2 posts um and work that is attached to them and and you know the, the, the sometimes run into pages these job specs you know uh, they do run into pages actually and uh, you're, you're expected to account for for everything you've done and, and explain how you could do even better the year after if you still want that, you know. And the remuneration doesn't really add up. I mean, there's a guy I know anyway was doing what was considered an A-post-a-year head job uh, as a B-post, you know. Uh, again, I mean, and the whole thing about it is you're, you're holding the carrot for the person to chase you know and if it's not if it's if you're not chasing cid you're chasing an ap2 if you're not chasing ap2 you're, you're chasing ap1 and then if you're not chasing ap1 you're going for deputy or else you know you're going for for principal and it's this kind of if you're standing still and this is the corporate uh, ideology if you're standing still you're you're nothing you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing where simply being a teacher you know do for, for most people when end because they love it. You know, they, they, they desire to educate young people and they, you know, they love their subject or whatever, you know. Uh, but now it's, oh, geez, I, need, I need to get, I need to get to the next one on the latter. You know, actually, no, yeah. you don't. That's, that's an ideology which has crept in. That's no surprise. Finnegale's been in power for the last, uh, over 10 years. It's very much coming from, from their, uh, their copy books, you know. So, uh, I think we're I think we're definitely victims of that, and we can see that even in the interview process, uh, where if you swallow whatever document it may be, looking at our skills, whatever it is, and you repeat as much as a, of the jargon as you can remember, you're fairly likely going to get uh, going to get a post, regardless of who's up against you, or many years' of experience they have, what initiatives, yeah. to, uh, you know. You, the jargon is what counts now, you know, so, and and that's, that's very, uh, there's something wrong with that, it's like going into an Irish oral and just memorizing uh, better than somebody else what you're supposed to say, you know. Uh, really? Um, and for that reason, right, that's why we have all these jealousies and envies and conflicts around, around the staff rooms now. People, people can see their colleagues uh, doing things not as, you, as was mentioned, out of the goodness of their heart, you know, doing tech and GA teams, whatever it is, they see it because they're doing it because of an agenda, you know, and I'm not saying everything's agenda uh, motivated, but an awful lot of stuff is, you know, and again, that's, that, that leads to rancor, and that's, I think, the kind of staff rooms that we're, that we're living in, most of us anyway, at this stage.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember that said at a branch meeting before by somebody that they did they failed in their interview, and the principal basically said to them that you've done a great job in your interview. It was it was a top class interview, uh, one of the best that we'd had going for this post. But you you didn't refer to the looking our school documents. In other words, as you just said, Martin, you didn't use the key phrases that we're looking for. That we have to, you know. In other words, a box oh they mentioned that phrase, I mentioned that phrase, we mentioned that phrase. and they said all your experiences are very good, but you didn't put it in the language of the looking at our school's documents, which is incredible, you know and but that is one of the things that they they're looking for now, you know. Yeah, and,
2: and like for me, for me, what I don't like really is is the real blank slate. it's It's the idea that you're applying for an AP one or an AP two and the role is not clearly delineated. So you could go in and you're applying for an AP1 or AP two. You get the role and only once you're told you get the post, then you sit down and you're you're kind of told this is what you're going to do. Um, I had a question again, um, Andrew, my memory of what an AP1 or AP2 was that an AP1 should be commensurate to about a month's work. So four by 22 hours uh, spread across a year and that an AP2 should be equivalent to two weeks work. So 44 hours spread across a school year. Do you remember hearing that? Am I am I making am, am I remembering that correctly? Um, because it's just going back to that point about a lot of what would have been previously AP one uh posts are now kind of coming under the auspices of AP two and it's always because there's fewer posts, we've gone from twenty from forty percent in a school having a post to 25% in a school, there's, there's the same amount of work. So now it's been lumped on. Um do you do you remember that being the case in, in terms of what I said there about the number of hours does does, does it ring a bell?
0: No, I, not really. I, I can't remember specifically that name, but I, I do remember something there. I well. see, Keith, you nodding your head. You, see, you...
1: Yeah, I, well, I, again, I, I don't know where I know it from. I, I've heard it, that roughly banded around with something like you know an, a, an AP2 is about an hour a week and an AP2 will be two hours a week. Or, or like you said, like, and that's kind of fits in with the, with the numbers you're banded around, just over an hour for the AP2 and just over maybe two hours or two and a half hours for the ap the AP1. Um, and, you know, and I, I think that, that brings in, right, raises further questions. You know, Martin was saying, you know, Fine Gael have been in power for, you know, the best part of a decade now. And, you know, they claim to be the party of uh, you know, meritocracy. Well, the, the meritocratic, they promote meritocracy, or the lose of meritocracy anyway. And that's what, they, that's what they're big on. And, you know, a lot of teachers, i say a lot, some teachers were in favour of moving to a meritocratic system because he thought it was you know, a fair way of filling promotions. And like the one thing that always gets the system is the systems clings to the old management adage of the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. You know, and that, that might be true, but does this, you know, compsy-based interviews, do they actually, you know, ascertain that? You know, so the question we should really be asking ourselves is, are there limitations or serious shortcomings arise from the implementa- implementing a meritocratic system in schools for promotional purposes, where merit is stress tested and filtered using competency-based interviews. You know, in schools around the country, we've all heard, and at branch meetings and talking to friends, multiple instances, as mentioned tonight as well, where the most capable candidate is not selected for the post. And this arises, I'm not saying all the time, but some of it is um, innocent know that they don't get the job because you know whatever they didn't interview as well uh, and to, to even to more sinister elements of you know the principal path is get the job I, I, the, full, I mean, the full range is there but either way I think teachers are faced with the illusion of, uh, of a meritocracy and I'd just like to to look at one thing uh, associated with that and I was, look, I was doing a little bit of reading on this uh, beforehand and it was about um, inbuilt biases that people have, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of uh, Danny Kahneman. He's a Nobel Arius. wrote the book, you know, Thinking Fast Slow. And he basically had, um, he basically had this this thing where you know, where people, it's called the substitution bias. And um, basically, what it was, when people were asked a difficult question, you know, like who's the most suitable candidate, they substitute that for a simpler question, and they substitute for well, who do I like? So there's like an inbuilt bias that we all have. There's a substitution bias. And I that like if you talk about selection panels and the people on selection panels, like I'd say that is definitely something that comes up. And like that's very you know innocuous. You know, it's it's not something that's sinister, it's innocent, it's something that we're all guilty of is substitution bias. And that's just one problem that I highlight with the system. And there's, there's multiple problems, and maybe we to talk about them uh, a little bit down the road here. Yeah, I think <clears throat> you know I've if-
3: I've heard of different situations, and it was mentioned by Andrew there that you know the the principal having a quiet word in somebody's ear for them to apply for a certain post and so on. Like, um, I've never I've never heard an appeal, um, you know, on the grounds that this happened. But surely that's that's a bias in itself, isn't it? That? that a principal is telling some some people to apply as opposed to others, you know. Um, so and that kind of. Ties in with you know different people doing different things for um, you know for agenda-driven kind of initiatives, and you know I, I see uh, I see a big part to play with the kind of religious ethos in schools as well, where you know people are maybe called in to you know join a particular committee, not because they particularly have a massive. Uh, religious calling or anything else but because well that's what that's what sells in the school that's what kind of gets you uh gets you noticed and gets you prepped for the kind of promotional posts that are on offer so there's a bit of a bit of hypocrisy that, that creeps in there among certain people that that i've certainly noticed but um i think there's a new term flying around which was it's been around for years in England, and, and it's this concept of middle management, which to me, is, it's disconcerting when I hear, like, like I, I, I'm whatever, many years, 15, 16, 17 years teaching whatever, and there's people have posts and they're, you know, uh, a lot younger than me and, and they're middle management. And that's, that's fine, but it's when the email goes out and says, middle management believe blah, 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 you know, and I'm saying, is this some? Is this like the the Politburo in Russia that you know they're superior, all their thoughts are superior to anybody else? You know, um, like is this is this where we're going here? Where you know the the management of the school can buffer themselves with this middle management, and they all collectively speak as one voice? Uh, really? Uh, and what about staff meetings? Does the consensus of the staff then no longer hold sway over whatever decisions are being taken? Is it simply, oh, middle management have decided for you because you guys aren't capable of making, making the tough decisions or whatever, you know? So there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of different connotations that are uh, flying around at the minute, which, which I, I feel aren't, aren't helping uh, create good, viable staff rooms at the minute, you know?
0: Yeah. Distributed leadership is the model that they've switched to. Um, So I remember the old post system, you weren't considered management. if You had an A post or a B post, you you were still like a teacher and it was just, you had a job to do. Um, Whereas now it seems to be, as you said, this middle management uh, role uh, and the leadership or the jobs are just distributed evenly amongst this middle management crowd. And a lot of it too now, if you read into some of the stuff that they have to do and even in that look in our schools document is you know promote teaching and learning in your school you know in other words what have you done for other teachers to make them a better teacher in your school this is the the language of management whereas whereas in the past that was always just done anyway that was done at lunch times at 11 o'clock break it was done you know when you were talking to teachers having a point on a night out it was different ideas around classroom management around teaching were always shared always spread around um, but now it's as if that never happened. You no, know, That wasn't happening in the past. So now we need to create a layer of management that's going to help that happen. But it always happens. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, very, very strange. And another thing I've picked up on, someone was saying it there as well, is, um, you know, a scenario that you would see in schools. is So if I was a principal, let's say, and this is probably what I would do if I was a principal, although I have no intention of ever becoming a principal, i will put that on record now. But if I was a principal and there was somebody... Um, you know, uh let's say they, they, they go in and they do what they are paid to do and they teach and they do it to the best of their abilities and they're a fantastic teacher. And that's that's you know, that's it, right? And then they just say, Well, look, if you want me to do other jobs, now you're gonna to have to pay me because my job here is a teacher. I would give them a post before I would give somebody a post um who will do it for free um and you know because there you're getting the work done and then you get somebody else to do the other donkey work and run around for free uh, it's you know and that's a scenario that can arise too you know uh, it's 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 very very strange keith
1: yeah just to pick up on that as well what martin was saying around this middle management team as you're saying uh, the selection of uh you know who might get the post there with, with you know if you said like the teacher who's maybe no interest in the post and who's hard working and dedicated to the cause is the one who'd get it but i you know, there's, a, there's an incentive here for, you know, the preferred candidate the principal that gets, often gets promotion. Not every school, but it, 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 we've all known that it's happened. And it's blatantly nepotism. And this is a major problem. You know, as anybody who's seeking a promotion in a school has a really large incentive to cooperate and be agreeable with everything the principal decides. You know, the middle management has agreed to this. But a lot of people on the middle management team are looking for further promotions up the line to be AP1s, to be deputy principal, you know. And then it goes back, you know, you know these, these interviews, they're, you know, it transforms the promotional interviews into these thinly veiled init- initiation rituals where the principal, again, gets the promotion. So these, so the principal's kind of surrounding himself or herself, you know, in a lot of cases, by like-minded people like, and people who agree with them. And not is this not a meritocracy. It leads to a lack of viewpoint diversity being expressed in the schools, especially in management schools. And if the principal's going to surround himself or herself by yes-men and people telling them what they want to hear all the time, you know, this causes organizations to suffer from groupthink. As the only people who express compatible views with the principal get promotion, this leads to creating an enormous organizational blind spot. That schools can't effectively assess situations because they have the, all these people who are like-minded, or yes people to the principal, you know, and organisations, not just like in general organisations, including schools, need dissenting voices. And ultimately it's these dissenting voices, people challenge conventional thinking, the the conventional ways of doing things, you know, are the the elixir of creativity that drive improvement in schools. And unfortunately at the moment, you know, this dissenting comments, dissenting voice in school is often interpreted, you know, in an ad hominem way um, by by management, you know, you're having a pop they, they personalize you know, you're having a pop at me or you know, you're criticizing me. It's actually an actual fact that it's well, no, we're discussing, you know, the topic that's here, what might be work. We're stress testing is a topic where criticizing the topic to try and prove it. It's it's not about you, it's about the topic that we're discussing. And I think that's crept into schools as well. People take a lot of criticism to be personal as opposed to be about the idea. And you know that is crucial for the for the ability for any organization to stress tests, debate, discuss ideas and decisions. Actually, you're there the crucial the crucial maintenance for an organization that's dynamic and can improve itself. And you need diverse viewpoints. And I think under this system, we're waging it towards, you know, that group think um, and towards and um, nepotism and principles, and maybe even not express nepotism, but a lot of a lot of us we surround ourselves with people who are like-minded. And I think having diverse personalities and viewpoint is essential to have on the management team if we are going to make effective decisions.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, my other interest in life is coaching and sports. And how many times you hear top professional athletes uh, say that they got rid of their their camp or they got rid of the people who were training them and all the rest of it because they were basically telling them everything they were doing was right but what they really wanted is someone there to say no you're doing this wrong you need to change and even if they get annoyed by that that's the kind of people you want around Is you know in that terms um but again i just want to stress again that uh, because people are going to listen to this and you're going to have a backlash but i do want to stress again that this is not a a target I didn't at print there's some very very good principles out there and there's nothing wrong with a teacher who wants an A post or wants a B post or wants to be a deputy head but what worse and and, and there was in the past you're telling me uh, 15 20 25 years ago uh, there was there was nobody who wanted the post or nobody wanted a principal of course there was and it's just the system changes now have created this Monster, I suppose that that we see at branch meetings, being repeated over and over again, the problems in staff rooms that this new system is creating, uh, and it's not older teachers pissed off because the newer teachers got the jobs. It's it's coming from newer teachers who are two or three years in the job as well and four years in the job we're talking about this workload and the pressure to put on and if you want a management position or middle management position you have to do this you have to do this so it's not a a, an older versus younger bitter that they didn't get the post situation it's people who don't have posts who are being piled on with this work as well you know it's it's
2: yeah i think i think it's it is starting to we we are starting to see uh, teachers nearly going to two separate camps whereby if people who want to post and people who don't. And the people that do want to start off on the B and then, as I said, maybe go to the A and then maybe go to the DP uh, and maybe beyond. And I think what that can sometimes do is it can, it, because some people try and tend to make some of those jumps very, very quickly. Uh, and, and it can lead to promotion to the Peter Principle, you know, where people end up getting into a position where sometimes they, they, they might be able for a jet or they mightn't have had enough experience. Um, and I think, I think we need to be 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 careful of that as well. And then, currently, I think we're seeing an awful lot of people looking at the job of principal and saying, "Not as you said earlier on, Andrew, not mm. a notion." Mm. So I think we've a lot of people now who may be looking at at a DP role and going, "Okay, that far and no farther," mm. um, and and trying to get up the ladder then as quickly as they can. The camp of of teachers who maybe aren't going for a post, if you step back from it for a minute. And you you kind of look at it and you say, right, an awful lot of teachers may not be aware of the point you raised earlier about the pension. A lot of people are looking at the post in terms of money here and now in my pocket. Mm. And an awful lot of people are not willing to do an AP2 post and put up with all the jumping through hoops that they maybe have to do to get it for what is 76 euro a fortnight in Mm. your back pocket. Mm. So I do think we're we're, we're getting this um, split camp where we have people who don't want anything to do with the post system and are just going to be teachers and they're going to do their 22 hours teaching. And then you've got another camp who who are looking to, to, to move up the the, the promotional ladder as it were. Um, And I I agree with a lot of the points Keith raised there. Um, I I do think the the last thing you want in a, in in a group of people who are making decisions for a school is a bunch of yes men. You do need Mm -hmm. dissenting voices and you, you need to say, well, no, I think we on the podcast are doing that fairly reasonably well tonight where we're saying, well, let's play devil's advocate on this point. Uh, I, I do think that's really important.
0: No, it's absolutely, you need to have the the opposite side and the opposite view. Like it's important that you do raise your, your issues in schools. Uh, I know a lot of staff meetings I've noticed as well, and coming from branch meetings, a lot of them are a lot quieter than they used to be years ago. Years ago, there would be all collegiality, but there would be, hearing lumps out of each other at some of the staff meetings this is not how we should do it, that's not how we should do it this is how we should do it, it was kind of a to and fro. but now staff meetings are much quieter you know, no one really says anything um, it's, it's very strange Yeah,
3: yeah. and that's, that's the manufacturing consent that, you know, like the Chomsky and these people talk about <clears throat> we're, we're kind of the latest victim of, of that ideology you know, uh, I mean journalists are, you know watching the p's and q's the whole time uh, and, and they're not upsetting certain people for for their own self interest or, or or the interests of the company they work for or whatever, uh, and that's throughout society and and especially in the private sector, you know. And we are now going down that road where and and I think we've all seen the you know the the upshot of this, which is what we're experiencing. Like I was a, a very happy, a, a much happier teacher. Uh, when I started in whatever two thousand and seven um, in terms of collegiality and so on than I am now and surely there's something to be said for that and especially to the younger people coming into teaching who are they haven't experienced that kind of staff room in a lot of places. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm sure it probably does in, in, in some places, but I'd say the vast majority of staff rooms are competitive workplaces now with all the you know the stuff that we talked about, the negative stuff that, that's going on. And once you <coughs> criticize certain policies or whatever, as, as Keith is saying, you know, you're labeled straight away, oh, you're negative, or you're this, or you're that, and suddenly there's a, a stigma <laughs> that comes your way, not talking through experience, obviously, Obviously, people that, I, that I'm friends with, but, you know, th- this is the kind of world we're living in, which doesn't have to exist, that's the thing about it. it there are alternative ways of, of doing business in a school. And I think maybe seniority isn't the best thing to, to reintroduce, but something like that, you know, and, and I don't exactly know what, what it might be, but surely there's a better way of doing it instead of people uh, climbing on each other's backs uh, to, to get ahead. Like there was, and it's, it tears me apart because, you know, there certain staff members would justify the, the current system by, the, the, I've heard my experience by tearing to pieces one of their colleagues who might be senior than them by saying, oh, that person wouldn't be able for uh, an AP2 job or an AP1 job in the future. Imagine him being in a, in a middle management leadership position. And you're like, this guy, I'm sure has something to offer. It might not be a year ahead position or it might not be uh, <clears throat> something where you, you have to be Exceptionally strong and in, in some kind of leadership role might be an IT position where you can quietly work behind the scenes and get things done. You know, every school will kill for that now. You know, and, and this this kind of tearing each other apart, their characters and questioning abilities and so on. Ah, come on, this this is this is I, I don't think and look, I've seen it far too much, and I don't think it's something that we can simply allow to. To, to become the norm as it were and you know i, I think i think we, we that's why it is still a, uh, an issue in the union because people do feel strongly about it you know
0: yeah
1: uh, can i come in there as well yeah, I, on, Keith, I, yeah. I, I totally agree like with martin's point i think it was actually said at a convention this year the only people who are the only people who are in rat race rat, rat races are rats and and that's exactly what we have going on in many schools around the country are these races to the bottom and and this is probably another topic. Our topic for a podcast or a two-part podcast or whatever, would be the culture of free work. Because that's what we're all really talking about here. And the post system, the changes in the post system have incentivized free work in schools. And I think that's what we really need to explore and have a look at this free, uh, this culture of free work, why people are doing them. Part of this post, and, and it mo- it's multifaceted reasons behind it. I think, but I think it's exploring the culture of free work. And, like, and what this effect actually has, like we talked about, you know, divide up two people here, I think it was Liam and uh, Martin, you both said this, that, you know, we're kind of divided into two different camps. people who want to just go in there, they want to teach, and that's what we want to do, and then these other people in school, and who are going for promotions, and both are fine, but the difference is, and speaking from what's been said at branch meetings, and even my own feelings into something to be like, if you're not doing free work, if you're not, uh, you know, taking on these initiatives, like, this, the culture is made to well. Oh, oh, what's this person about? Like everyone else is doing this. Why aren't you working for free as well? And that weight of culture can be crushing to some degree. And the more this is, this culture of free work establishes itself, the more it's expected, and um, the, the more pressure builds. And um, like if I was to tell someone in school that you can't do free, you can't do that bit of free work there, right? We're going to tell you you can't do that. Like there would be murder. But they have no problem, or there's no problem with an expectation raised for you to do free work. And that's kind of, it's becoming endemic to some degree in in schools around the country. I think maybe a podcast in the future on the culture of free work would be very useful.
0: Yeah, but Keith, in fairness to you, you're probably one of the ones in Union who, I, who have heard over and over again at various meetings talk about this work changes to work practice and extra work that people are doing. And But I think it's important that people realize the difference, right? And it, when you when you listen to that, it sounds, and I know you're not saying that, but it sounds very much like I'm here to teach and that's it, right? That's not the case. I mean, we're not arguing against someone doing the rugby team at school or the Gaelic football team or some people run debating teams. And I've seen teachers do meditation. I've seen teachers do music on the side and teaching people different things. And it's all extra quicker, and it's all extra work that people are doing. And that's their thing. And they continue to do it for years. The difference here is there was cuts to posts. There's a lot of jobs not being done. And now that people are being asked to do those jobs for free. Uh, and that's that's the big difference, I think, in terms of extra work for free. Nobody is yeah. saying that teachers can't give their time in whatever is their thing. Yeah, um, I completely, what,
1: completely yeah. agree with you. And I think absolutely. And that's, and that's the currency of schools is goodwill. Mm-hmm. And the currency in schools is all this, ex, this um, you know extracurricular work that goes on or, or these extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the difference I think is, Like, if I want to give extra classes on a Saturday, I want to do it after school, like, that's fine. But when these... And this is my individual choice to give. And and absolutely, I am no problem doing that. But it's on my terms Mm. when I do it. And I've decided to do it. But when you start making this systematic and compulsory, and you're being, you're doing it already. It's like, I'm doing it already by choice. Now you're telling me I have to do it. And that's that's completely different. And it's quite nuanced, and there's shades of grey in between. But there's a huge difference between volunteering to do something and being told you have to do it. Mm. Even if, if you're told you have to take a football team, that's completely different to I'm volunteering to take a football team. Yeah. It changes the game completely. And I think we need to be realised that they are the subtle differences that are, co- that are coming in and that are changing as well, even with the new junior cycle. Like a lot of things thing you had in the CPD days was, oh, so you're doing this stuff already. I said, well, the big difference is, yeah, I was doing it already, but now you're formalizing it, systemizing and making a requirement now. You're putting an extra responsibility for me to do. And if you want to give me extra duties and responsibilities, you know, that's a different game.
3: Yeah, and I think, I think it, it, one of the big things is some of these activities that are done, uh, you know, some a lot of them are done through goodwill or whatever, but some of it's recognized some of it isn't now they like you know I would like to think of it never do something just to get recognized for doing something you do it because you want to do it right um, but some of the activities that are done um, are valued more than others okay and that's that that all lends itself to the interview process and the, the competencies and so on oh you've done that because okay right that that goes into there oh that doesn't fit into competency therefore it's not valid um <clears throat> so and and some of that free work that's done you know like, uh, i've heard of schools having meetings for different committees at you know eight o'clock in the morning right okay that's grand it's outside of school hours it's a voluntary thing uh if you have young kids at home you're not getting out at eight o'clock in the morning right so immediately you're at a disadvantage then you know, if, if other people might be doing it to, to butter their own CV for for uh, for promotional posts, you're at a disadvantage if you want to go for promotional posts. But this is the committee to be on. But it's eight o'clock in the morning because you have kids, or whatever, or stand behind after school when you have childcare responsibilities. Um, so like, you know, it's a it's a very hard kind of thing to to define. You know, the whole Free, um free work and, and extracurricular activities and so on um but it's just whenever it becomes leverage for for a promotional post that's that's when it starts to starts to be, become complicated and divide people so that's I think that's one of the big things about it
2: yeah so like Martin are you kind of saying there that the fella the fellow the volunteers to take the football team doesn't get the kudos in these interviews whereby someone who maybe volunteers to be on I know a teaching and learning committee or uh, an education committee might get is that is that kind of what you're saying
3: yeah exactly yeah yeah and then and then you start wondering about you know what's the motivation <laughs> is it because there's genuinely interest in teaching and learning or is it to, yeah. you know go, you, know, you
2: be certainly you certainly it. like to think that in a school where, where we're all teachers and we're interested in education that yeah. most people attending an education committee will be there because they're interested in it yeah, yeah, you, add, yeah. take your take your point
3: yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd be surprised though I think and, and I think Andrew mentioned it earlier that uh, the fact that you know teaching and learning has become some kind of a, a post and you have people coming around and telling you you must try this you must. it's not even you could try this you, you have to try this you know there's, there's a lot of teacher autonomy there and you know we can we'll never stop learning as teachers no way and there's you know but it should be a voluntary thing where okay yeah now that you know from my own professional judgment, I will try this because I think that might suit the, the learning needs of my students or whatever. But, you know, for these things, we the on is, uh, is a different thing altogether. But, um, you know, I think that's... Uh, but is,
1: isn't it quite ironic? You have to engage in free work in order to get the experience, to get the points on the interview, to get the post. So by right then, you can't get a post without... Engaging in free work, which is, the, which is really the crux of it. You have to be willing to do free work before you have the relevant experience to get the post.
0: Well, that brings us full circle nearly, because again, uh, we had past uh, podcasts only recently about SNAs, and they were discussing how they won't. won't change the qualifications neither they won't train them to a certain level because that would demand higher wages etc and so on and the point that keeps being made over and over again is that we have one of the lowest spends on education in the oecd and if you look at the timeline that i went through at the start from 2008 2009 uh, the cuts that were made the less posts and now keith you're talking as you just summed it up perfectly there is that it's the reason you'd have to question the motive behind this, because is it improving schools, learning and teaching? Well, that remains to be seen. It's only in place since 2018. My guess is absolutely not. But what I can see in in, in meetings is it's destroying staff rooms. It's destroying collegiality, as I can see, uh, it, from what I'm hearing at union meetings. Uh, in my own school, I haven't seen it yet. I, I still think we have a very good collegiality in our staff, et cetera, and so on. But certainly what I'm hearing at, at union meetings is is the opposite to that and I've been talking to friends not even they're not even in my branch they're teachers down the country and they're actually talking about leaving the school because of this situation that's going on and evolving around and they're looking for another uh, school um, and and you'd have to question the motive or the reason for this Um, you know they could probably say it's 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 equality right because you can't have seniority as a as a thing it's an it's an ages thing you know it might be under equality or whatever but okay we're not saying go back to seniority we're just saying the old system that they had worked really really well everyone had a post it's a mix of things it's now the cuts to the post There's not as many of them as there were so those jobs suddenly just didn't disappear that didn't need to be done they do need to be done uh, and now how did they make that free and then of course the whole pension scheme as well they've cut all the costs in the pension so now there's pressure on to get these posts Um, and it's not just the post issue it's the pensions issue it's the it's it's all they they are literally dismantling uh, from what I can see education uh, and and schools and the vibe and the collegiality and everything that existed in schools Um, and now you just see this it's turning into an individual uh, you know individual kind of token thing and it's it's not
2: And like, it might be, it might be a bit of a hot take from me, but I, I kind of think that, you know, you go in, you start your career as a teacher, I kind of think you should be doing your five, six, seven, maybe even 10 years, uh, you know, honing your craft before, before you might, you know, really go after a post, if that makes sense. Um, whereas now I, I do think some people are going in because of the pension issue and because of the lower paid teacher issue. And they might be doing two or three years, and then targeting one. Well, and I'd also question, like, I know in some jobs now, you know, even even in the guards, I know there would have been a case where retired superintendents might have been doing almost uh, grind interviews uh, for people to 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 get in. And you could nearly see a market for that developing now and teaching. Like, you know, are there are there prep interviews? To, are there prep interview technique lessons happening? Um, all, all this kind of thing, you know, it's it's interesting. You'd you'd hope not, but
0: see, you just vast. raised the other. You raised the other <coughs> issue there, um, Liam, about the the lower pay. And someone who's living in Dublin or living in the city, or even anyone anyone, let's face it, who's living in the country and is looking for a mortgage, or that that post becomes. I know it's only seventy five quid, as you said, uh, for all the work that you are asked, but that could be vital to them getting a foothold in the mortgage or getting a house for themselves. Or I mean, that's it, so, it.
2: Like if if the AP two, if the AP two is four K. Yeah. And you and you do the three and a half multiplier. Mm. All of a sudden, you can you you can get an, an extra fourteen k on your mortgage. If you're talking an AP one, that's nine by three and a half. So you're talking an extra thirty one and a half k mm. on a mortgage. So for for a number of reasons, it's becoming more and more significant.
0: Yes, and again, the reason there is not because you don't have a post it's because your wages have been cut and are brutal because you're in the new cohort of teachers who started post two thousand and eleven, and it's just. It's you know it is disheartening I suppose looking at education and, and the stuff that that is being done uh, at the moment and that's that's the whole purpose I suppose of this podcast is it's to, to highlight these issues because it's very rare you hear this discussion in public you'll hear it at, at branch meetings you'll hear but it's very very rare you hear it in public in fairness and that's just what we're trying to do is just to highlight these issues we're not saying go back to the old system. Our seniority, Although I think that is the best way of, uh, that was, it worked very, very well. Everybody was in the school. Everybody got a post eventually, but the only thing is there, everyone was on the same wage. Your pension was was based, everyone's pension was based on the last three years and so on. So there was this togetherness, whereas now they've dismantled the togetherness by first, the, the, obviously the, the, the cut to new entrance pay, which of course me and everybody here at this meeting we're always putting forward motions to do something about that, and now now with the post system, it's just it's just another it's just another uh, spanner in the works, um, really. and really, and again, I suppose the ask from this podcast really is, it's it's not a good system if it is based on you can't have seniority because uh, it's ageist or it's it's against equality legislation or European or, or whatever it is then there has to be a different way of doing this rather than the every person for themselves in schools. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's not good.
1: Yeah. Could I, could I, like, just to say on that, like I don't think schools have the capacity to effectively uh, recruit and promote teachers. I really don't think they can do that effectively. Like who, okay. Like you go back to, you know, the selection board, you know, like look who's on a selection board or, or uh, who constitutes the selection panel. Like, it's the principal. It's a nominee from the board and an independent chair. And I, th- I looked into this a little bit. So the board gets to pick obviously their their nominee. The independent chair. Well, the board of management actually identify a group a list of people to the department to go on a panel, and then the board selects from the panel who do want to be their independent chair. So like realistically, the board is picking everyone they want on this. And um, and you know, do they have the skills? I, I don't know. Do they have? I don't think they do. It's it's very specialised. HR is very specialised, and you know, and, and the politics come into play with it, and it gets really really messy. like, could these activities be you know centralised to the public appointment services, and move it back out there? You know, and could teacher recruitment be the same? I, I, and there's pros and cons to that system as well. But I really don't think schools have the capacity to appoint. Best. If you want to talk about the merit, the meritocratic system, I don't think they have the, the capacity to identify and promote and to pick the right or the, the most suitable candidate for this job for a variety of reasons.
3: That's a good point, Keith. Um, I think you avoid that point if you take the competition out of it. You know, um, you know, the, the the whole ideology behind competition is well, it brings out the best, and people, yeah, m- maybe, but it brings out the worst in them too. And we're seeing the worst in people in staff rooms on, on a daily basis with the, all the, the issues that we highlighted um and, and it's not only in posts it's schools and competition with other schools hmm. you know what What? whatever happened to cooperation and what most of the schools this is the ironic thing right most of the schools in in ireland are, are supposedly christian <laughs> you know and, and you know Christianity is based on cooperation's based on solidarity and, and and these things are forgotten whenever you're you know the you know the the staff or management of school or badmouth in the other school because they want to get kudos ahead of them why why, why can't why can't you just work together and and it's the same in the staff room Jesus the the staff room works a lot better when people aren't buying each other up for for promotion and and there's there's you know no competition between them i'm telling you the cooperation is is much
0: well can i, I again i agree with you martin and inter inter staff again i just bring my experience from from the past i suppose you, you you get the impression right from the way they've changed the system that in the past teachers were just lazy and didn't <laughs> that's for that could be further from the truth i remember teachers going back when I first started teaching uh, 20 years ago in the first two or three years teachers were doing loads of different stuff always around that it was nothing to do with their teaching job they were helping out here they were helping out there this has always been done uh always been done now you may not have seen it because nobody really let's face it nobody sees what's going on inside the, the walls of a school or inside of a staff room or what's going on even to this day I'm sure the students don't see know who's got what post or who's doing what and um, it's it's but it was always done. It, this was all, and I genuinely am saying that it's always been done and it was done in the spirit of collegiality. It was done for the benefit of the students. Um, I, I, I just don't like what I'm hearing at branch meetings and, and that now, you know, it's, it's it's not good, you know. Yeah, and I think, I
2: I think Keith raised a really interesting point there about outsourcing the interviews. Like, uh, it actually hadn't crossed my mind, but if you are in a big school and there, there's a reasonable number of posts and if you have um, you know, someone with a post go on maternity leave and then maybe people act up. Well, then that is going to set off more interviews for for other acting up roles and so on. And you could have a situation in a school whereby the principal or deputy principal or whoever's, you know, chairing the interview panel is actually out of office or out of classroom, perhaps for a number of days per year uh, and, and not boots on the ground or attend, you know, or, or not like in the business of running the school, kind of doing all these interviews all the time. Um but I don't know if that if if the current narrative is, is, is ever going to go with that because as Andrew said at the start, it is this this new um school autonomy model. So I don't think it's going in that direction, but I do think it's a really interesting point. And and like prior to coming into teaching, um I did actually go to the the, the big uh, public job center in, in Abbey Street and I did a couple of interviews there. And it's 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 a different ball game. Like if you go in there, you're sitting down with someone you've never ever met before and then you might get feedback a couple of weeks later you have no one to blame and i think a lot of it as well sometimes might be a result of an interview comes out johnny got it and and joe is upset and he's like oh johnny's friends with the principal and there's this then you know sort of this culture of blame or you know but if if it was completely outsourced and independent i and it seemed fairer I don't think there might be as much rancor in staff rooms that we have all said that we have heard through through the Grapevine and at branch meetings.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that. A lot of the, the stuff I hear and they give giving out about it is not bitterness. No one really says, oh, that fucking Egypt got the job and he doesn't do anything. He's an Egypt. He's just a friend of the press. No one really says that. I think a lot of I it... I agree,
2: yeah. A good.
0: lot of it is the a lot of it is the other stuff that we've just spent all night talking about, the extra work that people are being pushed on, people, and, and all the rest of it, and this whole idea that you, you have to try and climb over your colleague to try and look to be better than him or her. Uh, you know, it's... it's, Yeah, but... Go on, Keith.
1: Kind of back to what we are saying earlier on, you know, education is under-resourced. Yeah. Uh, massively under-resourced. it would lowest spend, the OECD, and that means... You create a situation where if schools are to function effectively, you know, if you want your student, and we all have that, you know, kind of uh, connection with students, especially like six years, 50, we've taught them for the best part of the half a decade, and you know, you want them to do well. And the government, to some degree, are exploiting that relationship. And in a way, they get you to all that extra heavy lifting in a way that's going to make that school experience somewhat better for them. And, you know, we can see it with, like, with the pandemic here as well, like, you know, putting the green jersey on one and to do everything on the cheap, education on the cheap, do the pandemic on the cheap. And this government has it—they're uh, adverse to, to, to spending, and we at this point is money, spending money to solve problems. Like, I know they're spending more money than ever, but they're completely adverse to spending it, and where like you know they're, they're still restricting on where it needs to be spent. They like, go with that extra couple of million, and have a really good system, as opposed to just doing it right to bare minimum. What we might get, we might get away with. And you know, I think it was interesting. You know, you know, sorry, that's the dog there whinging. Um, the
0: uh, I'm not heading that out. Sorry, over here back
1: season. to where I was. So, excuse, can resource. You know, once a Brad could come out with the uh, the great quote, and I think Derek picked up on this. It's um, a great quote. You know, when taking advice, that others have to implement. It's easy to come up with advice that's not implementable. And like to see the advice we're getting all the time from the department. You want me to do all this? All this extra work, all these extra plans, all the rest of it. And look at my daily routine here in school. Like, I have my time has an opportunity cost with it. If you want me doing this stuff, it means I have to stop doing this other stuff. And this goes back to what you were saying, Andrew. Teachers were always busy in schools and numerous amounts of initiatives or whatever, running uh, trips and the rest of it. But now that our time has been tied up with all this sort of administrative work, this measurable stuff, uh, you know are the nature of our time being op- you know, opportunity time, uh like, you know, we have to pick what we spend our time on now. And unfortunately, most of us have to go on to dealing with stuff that has really questionable educational benefits, and it tends to be moved towards on what we can measure. Like we're moving towards an accountability, and performativity arrangement. We see this in the in the, the program from government, we see this in the latest uh, collective agreement, where you know it's about these measurable. Improvements, how we can measure what we're actually doing. And I think, like, quote, like, I had a great quote that not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. I think there's really that, really, like, you couldn't have a profession, like, teaching is where that applies more than anything else. Mm.
0: There's a reason for teaching, is a Is a Bachelor of Arts rather than a Bachelor of uh, Science, you know, because it is an art. It's a lot. It's not an awful lot of it is not measurable, you know, because of all the varying backgrounds and varying things going on, uh, all over the place. But look, that's nearly. It's probably just over the hour, and I think we can we can nearly leave it there. And I suppose the key message from the podcast really is just to highlight some of the issues around the the area of posts. We need to do better than this because I, I foresee in a few years' time. Staff rooms being been very, very different places and not nice places in, in some schools uh, to be and, and pressure on teachers and people not enjoying the job. And, you know, for a lot of it, they've they done this in England years ago, this kind of system, uh, as Martin, as you were saying, and how many times in England do you hear Oh, I was a teacher once. I was a teacher. I was a teacher. It's kind of not a job that people are in for life uh, in a lot of countries. Whereas in, in Ireland, it was. And and not because they, they were, the teachers in England have been sacked. It's because they went into it uh, and, you know, didn't like it, the pressure and all this, the rest of it that comes with it. And because of the changes that were made there and are now being made here, uh, people just leave the job and move on to something else. Um, so Yeah, like
2: a, a bit like Martin, like I... I did my teacher training in Cardiff in, you yeah. know, six or seven. And
0: I was in England too. Yeah. I was in you know, well, Cardiff, Wales, which, you know,
2: yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people I would have known from from that year over there are, are no longer teaching. And, yeah. and I think it's something like one in two or one in three are gone within five years. And and just the last thing I'd say is like, the pandemic has kind of pressed pause on, on, on this issue in staff rooms simply because people aren't in staff rooms as much or like no. haven't been the last 14 months. I mean, hopefully we, we, we do get to go back to normal teaching in September without masks and without all the social distancing, and we can actually mm. go back into the staff rooms and, and, and be with our colleagues on mass again. But is, is, the, is the issue that we've all been talking about here this evening, is that they're waiting for us? Because mm. I do feel if, if it is there in, in certain schools, it certainly has been on pause for the last 14 months because people just haven't been in the same space, mm. and we're doing all our staff meetings online.
0: Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. I think we'll leave it there. That's I think we've we've thrashed it out a bit, um, and hopefully people can raise some of the issues if they're listening to this and they're going to their branch meetings, whether it's the ASTI, whether it's the TUI, they can raise some of these issues and and, and let's try and get something better than, than what's proposed and what's there. Um, we need to do better uh, for the teachers and of course for students as well. Uh, you know. Thanks very much, lads. Yeah, nice cheers,
3: Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having us on. All okay, right, lads. Thanks